Welcome to Amplify Your Process Safety, the podcast that provides the experience and expertise you need when it comes to process safety and risk management. Our hands-on approach will give you the insight needed, whether you're new to industry or process safety, in a role where you interact with aspects of process safety, or an experienced process safety professional. Join us in our mission to protect people, the companies they work for, and the communities where they operate by making process safety knowledge available to all. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Rob Bartlett from Amplify Process Safety, and welcome to the first podcast of 2021. <laughs> what was that? What was that? Uh, that was an air horn. I'm celebrating, Rob. You're celebrating. You're celebrating because we made it through 2020. 2020 is behind us, thankfully, right? Thank goodness, yes. And we are, uh, and now we're into 2021, and that means. We are back. Uh, we, we of course back. took we took a bit of a break over the holidays, but we are back in the saddle. Uh, excited to give our podcast listeners uh, some more great process safety content. Uh, so, if you are listening to our podcast, then I'm hoping you know who we are. Uh, as I said, Rob Bartlett, Amplify Process Safety. I am joined today by uh, one of our exciting team members, which is Joe Ransom. Joe has been on the podcast before, but Joe also is the one responsible for taking the terrible recordings that I do, <laughs> does and all that, and turning them into something which people can actually listen to. So Sometimes, uh, yikes. You may have just put a target on my back. I am not an expert um, by any means, but that is kind of the beauty of podcasting, I think, is that even if you don't have the best equipment or the best producer, it's still a great avenue to get information out there. So that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> and uh, my do. apologies in advance if I don't always succeed at the uh, the production part. <laughs> well, you don't, you know, sometimes you just don't have good raw material. So, okay, <laughs> let's, uh, so, so we're, we're, into, we're into 2021. Um, and we thought that it would be a good time to revisit a topic that, uh, that Joe and Wesley have done in the past. And that is, that is back to basics. Um, so we've done parts one through four. You can go into our back catalog and uh, and look at those or listen to those, I should say. But Joe, why, why in your mind, why did we decide that that it might be a good time for for some more back to basics? Yeah. So um, if you have listened to us before, we did a four part back to basics mini series in May of last year um, in 2020, and we thought it was kind of a just a different spin on the information that we were putting out there. Um, some of our episodes that featured Rob and Wesley or featured industry experts were really great, but sometimes difficult if uh, to follow and to understand the context of if you're new to PSM. So we thought we would just put out a different spin and go really basic, just so that if you are someone who's new to process safety, uh, you've never heard of it, or you're just dipping your toes in the water in a different role, or you've recently changed industries, um, and now you're at a facility that's PSM covered, this is kind of just a more beginner friendly place to start. So we wanted to revisit these. We only gave you four small pieces, like I said, last May. And so we're back here today uh, to record a few more for you. And we thought we would kick it off by kind of 
doing an echo of our part one, which was where we covered a lot of acronyms that you will encounter in the world of PSM. And so today we're back with even more acronyms. So, <laughs> so, so, um, so as in most industries, there's a lot of jargon and a lot of acronyms and, and process safety is, is, is no different. The purpose for doing this podcast, those of you who have been with us for a long time, this will be a little bit of a review, but um, if you if you haven't gone back and listened to the first podcast that we did, which was episode zero, um, you'll hear Wesley and I talk about why, why we're doing the podcast and such. A part of that episode was who our audience is is for the podcast and and you know really we have three audiences one is you know people who are expert or process safety professionals one is people who are new to kind of the process safety profession and then another one is kind of the boots on the ground the people who are who are in psm processes day in day out operating these things and our goal over the long term is to kind of have episodes that will hit each one of those be interesting to each one of those audiences so uh so these back to basics really are a way to engage the people who are are relatively new to process safety so we hope that you get some value out of it and if you already know all of these then maybe this will be a little bit of a of a good review or provide a slight different slant on on your understanding of some of these uh, some of these terms. So Joe, we've got even more acronyms here. Um, yes. I've got a list in I've got a list in front of me. They appear to be alphabetical, so we're going to do this in no particular order other than the first letter of the acronym. So do you want to get us going? Yeah, definitely. And I just want to um, reiterate that if you haven't listened to part one of our Back to Basics, uh, where we first cover acronyms, be sure to do so. It's kind of a companion to this episode. We will not be repeating any. So this is a, a little bit of a deeper dive into uh, some not as frequently seen acronyms. Um, and so, yeah, we'll just jump right in. We'll start with A. So our first acronym is ALARP, which is A-L-A-R-P, and it means as low as reasonably practicable. Or ALARA, which is sometimes seen. So that is similar. It's as low as reasonably achievable. So this is a term that you'll see as related to um, PHAs. And I've got actually a, a definition here pulled up. And then we'll kind of get into our experiences with this term. But Wikipedia says... Uh, for a risk to be a LARP, it must be possible to demonstrate that the cost involved in reducing the risk further would be grossly disproportionate to the benefit gained. The a LARP principle arises from the fact that infinite time, effort, and money could be spent in the attempt of reducing a risk to zero. It should not be understood as simply a quantitative measure of benefit against detriment. It is more a best common practice of judgment of the balance of risk and societal benefits. So I've definitely seen this acronym when it comes to PHA reports. And in those cases, we're saying that we've reduced the risk basically as much as we can without, you know, like this definition said, exhausting things to the point where it just wouldn't really make good sense. Yeah, I think you've 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 hit the key points there. I see this mostly, uh, as you say, in uh, in PHAs, and the idea with PHAs and with risk, right, is our focus is to, is to manage the risk, and we're not going to manage the risk to zero because, as that uh, Wikipedia definition or description says, 
if you want the risk to be zero, then you either don't do the activity or, you know, theoretically it costs an infinite amount of amount of money. So mm-hmm. the, the idea here is if you have a scenario in a PHA and you have sa- you have existing safeguards that are adequate to get the risk to the level where management feels that it's that it's reasonable. It may not be in the lowest level of risk, let's say in like your risk matrix, but it's it's um, it's near that. And to take that next step, you know, there really would be very difficult things that would need to be done. Or in some cases, you can't. There just there's no real way to do it. In some processes, they're just you know you may have exhausted all of the all of the types of safeguards that you can use so so that so that's a that that's a larp it goes into risk and the idea is is that we're trying to balance the risk and the societal benefits perfect all right well our next acronym is bpcs which stands for basic process control system this is definitely a type of safeguard that you might come across in your facility and I will let you take it from there, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is one that's, that it's, it's a very general term and there's a lot of stuff that's thrown into it. So your basic process control system that encompasses your sensing elements, things like temperature transmitters, uh, pressure transmitters, stuff like that. It encompasses the PLC or whatever your, your logic solving element is. And then it, it also includes the final element, which would be, you know, a control valve or a block valve or, or or an interlock or an alarm. So all of those things are wrapped up into basic process control system, BPCS. uh, And you will normally see this as part of process hazards analyses as a description of the safeguards that we have in place. Uh, But this is kind of the, you know, there there are, are different types of safety systems out there that are control systems, but your basic process control is what we're relying on to do our basic controlling temperature and controlling pressure. And as part of those systems, we generally have some sort of alarming system and probably some interlocking system. But the primary purpose of that system is to control our process to make our product uh, both in spec and safe and safely. Uh, so BPCS is just a descriptor for that whole kind of bunch of control system equipment. Okay, so that's BPCS. Joe, what is our next acronym? Are we still in the Bs? Yes, we're still in the Bs. This one is really exciting because it has to do with explosions. So obviously we don't... You think explosions are exciting, huh? Oh boy, you might be in the wrong business. I think the testing of explosions and stuff is exciting. Like I, I think it's really cool to hear about the all sorts of tests that they do in remote locations to test things like, like BRMs to keep people safe. So a BRM is a blast resistant module. And what it basically looks like is it looks like a connex and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's resistant to blast based on how it's constructed. And it's just a module that you can bring onto your site and use as a control room. So this might be the solution that's offered at the end of something like a facility siting study. And if for some reason you're not able to move the location of the control room, then you would consider bringing in a BRM so that your operators can stay safe in the event that there is an explosion. So that's BRM. Okay. And yeah, and I've seen, I've seen this in, in uh, design of control rooms, not necessarily a blast resistant module, but also you sometimes you hear about blast resistant construction. Um, if you're, if you can't pull your, your control room far enough away, um, then you, 
build it essentially as this module would be you you build it to be blast resistant. All right, what's next? Exactly. What's next? Okay, next one is kind of a combination um, because they go together. So it's CSO and CSC. CSO is car seal open. CSC is, of course, car seal closed. So what is that, Rob? So that essentially is something that you're generally going to see in PNIDs that is going to basically be informing you that the, that the car seal is either normally open or normally closed. Yes. And just a note about this in PNIDs, this is something that we find a lot when we are reviewing drawings for clients to use that information for PHAs. But we find a lot of times that the designation of car seal open or car seal closed is is often incorrect on drawings. So just something to keep in mind in regard to making sure your PSI is, uh, your process safety information is updated. That is something that we we do see certainly in many situations. So that is CSO, yep. CSC. Yep, all right, next all right. one. Let's, yeah, let's um, moving on to D, so DHA, dust hazard analysis. So tell me about this one, Rob. So NFPA, the National Fire Protection Association, has a number of standards, consensus standards uh, related to combustible dust. We've talked about combustible dust in the podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, you can go back and listen to that. Uh, but the DHA is specifically required by uh, NFPA as a dust hazards analysis. It's very similar to a process hazards analysis uh, except that it's for areas which are dealing with combustible dust. There's some nuances, some some differences in the way you do it, but it's basically the same. What what are scenarios that could cause a combustible dust explosion or deflagration or 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 some sort of a, an incident like that? What do we have for safeguards to to prevent those from happening? And do we have recommendations for more safeguards? So a DHA is something that is required by NFPA. And if you have combustible dust, then your process, uh, you know, if you're if you're an operator in a facility that has combustible dust, you could ask your ask your you know supervisor, your engineering folks, if they have done a DHA. Um, it might be interesting to take a look at it. Perfect. And just a note for our listeners, just because I thought it was interesting when I first got involved in process safety, but combustible dust are really interesting to me, and they span industries that I normally would not have thought of. Um, for example, like sugar factories or sugar refining. So there's some really interesting stuff to look up when it comes to combustible dust. So definitely check out our episode on DHAs and then go do some research. It's just, I think it's really interesting stuff. So yeah, you wouldn't think that sugar would be a dangerous <laughs> a, a hazardous material, but it, it destroyed a whole plant. So. Yeah. Yep, okay. What's definitely. next? Okay. So kind of relating to, to that, we've got EAP. Now we covered ERP, which is the emergency response plan in our first episode, but we wanted to include EAP here, which stands for emergency action plan, um, because oftentimes they're used interchangeably. Yeah, depending on what you're required to, uh, why you need emergency action plan, the, the actual, the, the specifics of it are, are going to be different. PSM and RMP both have specific requirements for you to have a plan in place in case there's an emergency. EAP, ERP, uh, there's also like an integrated contingency plan, which kind of brings a whole bunch of different plans together into one document. So it's just another way of saying we need to have plans in place for if there's an emergency for what we're going to do and have all that stuff up, up front and documented. 
that's your EAP, that's your ERP, that's your ICP. Perfect. And just a note here that it's really important to have these plans, but then also if no one is if no one is included in your company when it comes to communicating what the plans are, that's a little bit of a failure there. So um, definitely, you know, have a plan and then make sure that your employees uh, are aware of that plan and know what they need to do and, and what your policies are regarding that. Yes. Yeah. You have to train your people on your emergency plans. Definitely. Yep. All yep. right. Next one is ESD, which stands for emergency shutdown. So I've seen this in a couple different places, there are emergency shutdown valves, there are emergency shutdown pull stations or buttons, but basically any of these devices cause your process to shut down and they're used in emergency situations. So pull stations are out in the facility um, and can be physically pulled in the event that you know, you're seeing uh, some sort of release. And then the valves can of course be closed when uh, like a high, high level or, or something like that high, high pressure uh, is reached. And it's just part of that control loop to uh, ensure that whatever is happening is stopped so that you can evaluate kind of what's going on in the facility. And interestingly enough, ESD can also be used uh, to stand for electrostatic dissipating. In environments where we have flammable gases and liquids, we have ESD equipment, we have ESD footwear, et cetera. So ESD can also mean electrostatic dissipating. So, okay. Uh, the next one. So we're, we're going to leave the E's and goes, go to the F's. So what's our yes. F? So the next one is FSS, which stands for facility siting study. We touched on this a little bit when we talked about the BRMs, the blast resistant modules, but maybe you can give us a little more about this, Rob, in detail. So, yeah, I mean, you can spend many po podcasts. In fact, we've spent at least one podcast, uh, Wesley and I, giving kind of an overview of the facility site. But essentially, it's a study where uh, you have a, a firm, a consulting firm usually come in and take a look at what are the materials that you have on site, the toxic and the flammable materials you have on site, uh, and then doing some really detailed modeling of, you know, toxic releases and flammable releases and pressure waves and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and really what you're, what you're, what you're looking at is you're looking at the buildings, you're looking at the layout, you're looking at the dam, you know, potential damages, you're looking at potential toxic release clouds. And it's, it's, a uh, another, it's another level of detail, a lot more detailed than something like, uh, like you would normally have to do as part of like a PHA or as part of, um, uh, like putting together a risk management plan for EPA. So it's, uh, it's very detailed. And if you have a facility with a significant amount, a cover, basically a cover process, then probably you've considered whether or not you need to actually bring in an outside expert, uh, to do that sort of a thing, facility siting study. All right. So moving on next one, kind of two that go together. We've got IEL and IEF, initiating event likelihood and initiating event frequency. So I'm going to turn this over to you, Rob, because you're our expert PHA facilitator. <laughs> well, I mean, essentially when we're looking at PHAs, we have scenarios. Scenarios are caused by something. So when we have that cause would be an initiating event. So initiating event would be the failure of our level transmitter or level control system. And the IEL or the IEF 
is just a, a some sort of a measure. It may be qualitative, it may be quantitative for establishing what the what the likelihood or what the frequency of that failure is. And that, of course, feeds into what our risk is because risk is a combination of the frequency and the severity. So basically, these are our measures that um, allow us to estimate that risk. All right. This next one is IPL, which is independent protection layer. And (laughs) I have to say, every time I see IPL, I think about uh, that thing you once said, Rob, which was that common sense is not an IPL. (laughs) So that'll be funnier after you explain it. But (laughs) yeah, I can't, I can't claim credit for that, but um uh, and I'm not sure that the person who said it would want me to uh, to divulge that information. <laughs> so an IPL, an independent protection layer, this gets into, again, part of a PHA uh, and looking at safeguards. And when we are doing a LOPA, a layer of, of protection analysis, we're looking at basically answering the question, do we have enough safeguards in place to prevent this bad thing from happening? And an an independent protection layer is a safeguard which we can take credit for. And in order to take credit for, there are a bunch of different different things that 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 have to be true, uh, such as it needs to be independent. So you can't have you can't have safeguards that are not independent. Um, You can't be relying on them because if they're not independent, they both can fail at the same time. And so, yeah, so an IPL is essentially what we use for that. And the joke about common sense not being an IPL is I've been in in many a PHA where the when, when I say what safeguards do we have for this, the response is, well, you know, well, the operators just wouldn't do that. <laughs> and, and, and the response. Like, we and, cannot claim credit for that. <laughs> we can't claim credit. And, and, and the response from one of the technical folks in the room one time was, well, come on, guys, common sense is not an IPL. And if anybody's interested in looking more on that, the Center for Chemical Process Safety has a great book that details all of that information. What's an IPL? What do you need to do in order to be able to claim it? What do you need to do to maintain it, et cetera? Yes, perfect. And then you also may come across that term IPL if you are involved in any of the recommendations that come out of a PHA. Uh, You may see a recommendation that says, implement one IPL to prevent this event or implement two IPLs. So now you've kind of got a little bit of an idea of of what that's referring to. So our next acronym is ITPM, Inspections, Tests, and Preventative Maintenance. So this is related to the um, mechanical integrity element of PSM, and it just refers to, uh, like it says, all of the inspections, tests, and preventative maintenance uh, that your equipment needs to be getting uh, in order for it to be reliable and and in order to confirm that it's functioning properly and that you are basically taking care of your plant so that it functions the best that it can and and the safest that it can. So um, there are, of course, many, many different requirements for inspection tests and preventative maintenance, depending on the type of equipment we're talking about. Um, So there are are different preventative maintenance that you're going to do on something like a PSV versus something like a compressor. Uh, And a good place to look for uh, these are going to be things like industry codes, like from the American Petroleum Institute API codes. Um, You'll also get some information about these inspections and tests and preventative maintenance from the OEM, which is an acronym we'll talk about in a minute. Is there anything you want to add here, Rob? 
No, you've 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 covered it well. Um, the only you know the only thing I'll say is that mechanical integrity is the most cited element in PSM and RMP. It's very very hard to do mechanical integrity right, 100% right. Uh, mm-hmm. And having the appropriate ITPM plans in place is the key is a key part of that. So. Yes. So it's like your roadmap to just make sure that you're on top of everything. But like yep. Rob said, and it, and, and it would difficult. take it would it would take. <laughs> A hundred podcasts probably to scratch the surface. So let's move on. Yes. Okay, perfect. Uh, Next one is LEL, lower explosive limit. Um, So the LEL of a gas is the lowest concentration, so percentage of a gas or vapor in the air capable of producing combustion in the presence of an ignition source. So like a flame, heat, something like that. Um, It can also be referred to as the lower flammable limit. So LFL. So why did we include this acronym, Rob? What does this have to do with PSM? Well, whenever we have a loss of containment of a flammable material, we, you know, we've got to worry about whether or not there's going to be a fire or an explosion. And that's LEL, uh, the LEL of the material of the liquid uh, is uh, is a way to is a way for us to do that. So essentially, uh, is the perc- is the percentage if we're if we're above the lower explosive limit, and there's also another term, the upper explosive limit. So if you're between the lower and the upper limits, then you could go boom. Um, so when we're designing our processes, when we're doing PHAs on them, the, the LEL is important for us to know so we can make sure that we do what we can to stay out of that limit so that we don't have an ignition. Yes. And you can also have LEL detectors. That's pretty common in facilities that deal with you know hazardous materials, especially like midstream oil and gas. You'll see a lot of LEL detectors. Oh, then um, they're all they're all, they're all over the place. Any yeah. any place that we've got flammable liquids, um, you've got your your you're likely to see not every place, but you're likely to see LEL detectors and, and alarms and interlocks and all that stuff. Yep. Yes. All right. So the next one is LOPC loss of primary containment. So what does this mean? Basically, you know, we, we have our process and uh, I mean, basically, if you have a loss of primary containment, then your ITPM plan probably did not work. Um, so loss <laughs> of primary containment is, is a spill. I mean, we a spill or release. We've got material and it gets out of the process. So this is one of the things that as process safety professionals, we are trying to prevent. It's a failure. And the key thing here is that we're talking about the primary containment. The primary containment is the equipment itself. Uh, you may have a leak that goes into a drip pan. You may have a leak that goes into a containment dike. That is still a loss of primary containment because it got out of the, the primary system. So that's okay. what LLPC is. Okay, so our next one is MCE, Maximum Credible Event. Um, if we read the definition right from Aki, it's a hypothetical explosion, fire, or toxic event that has the potential maximum consequence to the occupants of the building under consideration from among the major scenarios evaluated. Yeah, so this is this is something that we look at as part of uh, as part of facility siting scenarios, right? Is we have there's a whole bunch of things that can happen, and we don't want to spend our time looking at every little thing. So we want to figure out what's the maximum. A credible event that can happen, uh, and then and focus our resources on minimizing that risk. Uh, you don't want to spend all your time focusing on some sort of event that either isn't going to impact many people, or maybe would impact a lot of people, but the the odds of it happening are minuscule or are you know, virtually impossible. Uh, we want to focus on things that are gonna you know that are more likely to impact a large number of people at a at some sort of a likelihood that is credible all right our next 
acronym is NFPA, which stands for the National Fire Protection Agency. So why did we why would we include this, Rob? Well, we'd include this because this is this is part of uh, RAGAGAP, which is uh, a term that is used in the mechanical integrity world. It's in the it's in the PSM and the RMP program elements, recognized and generally accepted good engineering practices. Uh, and so that that definition includes consensus standards, and NFPA is one of the main sources of consensus standards. They cover. Oh, everything from fire extinguishers to we've already talked about combustible dust to communication of hazardous information, you know, hazardous material information uh, to, you know, sizing relief devices. They, they do all sorts of all, you know, they're into all sorts of things. So they're a one of the primary sources of those consensus codes. All right. Next, we've got OEM, which we mentioned before when we talked about those ITPM plans. So the OEM is the original equipment manufacturer. And like we said, that is a great source to give you some more information uh, that will inform your ITPM plans for your equipment. Anything else that needs to be said here? Nothing to add to that. Okay. All right. Moving on, we've got PFD. We actually did cover PFD in our first go at these acronyms, but we just wanted to include it again because it can actually stand for multiple things. So in the first part of uh, acronyms, you gotta love we the talked acronyms about, that, I know, you gotta love the acronyms. That the double acronyms. In the same, in the same, uh, in the same industry. You gotta love that. For sure. So the first time we talked about them, we we talked about process flow diagrams. So in this case, uh, we're talking about PFD and it's referring to probability of failure on demand. So what is that? So probability of failure on demand is looking at the fact that every safeguard has a potential to fail. So a PFD, the probability of failure on demand, is the probability that any given safeguard is not going to operate as it should when you need it to. So for instance, a uh, a rupture disc is not going to operate as it's supposed to every single time. Uh, there is a failure rate for them, uh, just like any other uh, any other safeguard. So uh, and when we do LOPAs, that is one of the key parts of that is what's the probability of failure on demand. It also comes into play when we start talking about SIL levels for safeguards as well. So awesome. All right. Great. Now we've only got two more left. I'm going to talk about them at the same time because they are related. Um, So the first one is PRD, pressure relief device. Um, And the second one happens to be an example of a PRD. So it's a PSV, which is a pressure safety valve. Yeah. So these are basically just exactly what they're, what they, what they are, uh, what they mean. Uh, We have overpressure protection and PRD, pressure relief device, is kind of the general name for it. And PSV, pressure safety valve, that is a valve that will open and close. We also have rupture discs, which will open and obviously it's it's ruptured, so therefore it will stay open. Uh, and there are other kind of less used pressure uh, relief devices. But any, any general type of pressure relief system, we would call a PRD, and PSV is one of those types of systems. We made it. Oh man. <laughs> I feel like this is this is, I feel I, I feel like this is a long episode, but I hope that people will get something out of it. Yes, but I if think, you stuck I think around gonna, for us this yeah, whole time. Yeah, exactly. Then, uh, we, should, we, we, we thank should, you for that. Yeah, we do. And we uh, should, hang on, hang should. on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's your reward. You got to hear me press my air horn app but uh, is that like something that is that something that like joe i feel like that's something that like joe rogan does on his podcast i don't really listen to him but i it seems like something that, oh. he, that he would do i don't know 
I don't know. That's like a Hallmark Joe Ransom thing. So <laughs> <laughs> I just walk maybe, around my life with that app. <laughs> maybe we should maybe we should trademark it. So all right. Well, we let's should, close. Let's let, let, let's close this up, and I'll turn. Want you? I'll I'll turn turn over you to 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 see us out. All right. So. We appreciate you joining us on this episode. Again, we welcome you to, if you feel you got value from this format that's that's meant for beginners, uh, it's meant for people new to PSM, we absolutely invite you to go check out our other PSM Back to Basics episodes. We've got part one, which is acronyms, part two, which is open source resources, just really good resources, websites, conferences, books uh, for PSM, a great place to get started if you're new. Part three is about process hazard analysis or PHAs. Uh, and then part four is about management of change or MOCs. Gotta love all those acronyms, right? Um, <laughs> you can More absolutely acronyms. find us. Yes, all the acronyms. Please find us on our website. That's where you can find any resources that are related to episodes and you can look at all of our episodes. That's going to be www.amplifyconsultants.com slash podcast. If you're listening to us right now on a platform you don't normally consume your podcasts with, please look for us on your favorite platform. We are on all of them. So Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, you name it. Uh, if you find that we're not on the one you prefer, shoot us an email and I will get our show on there. I've done it before. Um, <laughs> or if you've got I, any questions. I can't believe how many places you've gotten the podcast. <laughs> it's so many, so, so many. Got it on another one last week. They reach out to me sometimes, the platforms. So wow. um, yeah, or if you've got a question for us or a comment about this episode or a request for a future topic, please reach out to us. We're active on Twitter. We're active on LinkedIn. Uh, or you're welcome to email us if you're old school. That email address is going to be podcast at amplifyconsultants.com. And we just want to thank you for hanging out with us today. Hope you learned a couple of things and we will see you next time. All right. Until next time, this is Rob. This is Joe. Have a good one. Bye-bye. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Amplify Your Process Safety. Head to our website, amplifyconsultants.com to find our show notes and other resources. Thank you for joining us in our mission to ultimately save lives by advancing process safety right here on Amplify Your Process Safety. Until next time.